Welcome to the Jason Wright Show, right on Wednesday. So this is just my take, my commentary on a topic that I think will help you in your endeavor to improve always and always. And today I want to talk about breaking bad habits. We've all got them. Some are bigger than others. And breaking them can just be an absolute beatdown. So I wanted to come on and just give you some quick tactical strategies for breaking those bad habits habits. I'll probably do uh, an episode on creating good habits and getting into the habit of doing something you want to a little later on. But today what I want to tackle is breaking bad habits. So we've all had these times in our lives where there was something that we were doing, either it was overeating, uh, maybe we had the habit of biting our fingernails, maybe it's uh, we're smokers, we're drinkers, whatever. And you have to, and you decide that you want to break this habit, but you don't know where to begin, or you've tried and tried and tried, and you just can't seem to make the abrogation of that habit stick. It always rears its ugly head, and it slowly eases back in. So I want to take you through really quickly some of the steps that you have to take, and I'm going to use my example of how I quit drinking as um as an example, because I think that's probably of all the habits that I've broken, I think that's probably the one is the most consequential in my life. It's the it's been it's one that has I've, seen, I've just seen just the most the most amazing benefits from. And and also it's one that's stuck and it's been now easy. It's just not a and that's something that I never thought would happen. So I want to talk to you now that I teach an entire course on the science of habits, the neurochemistry involved. There's a whole, it's part of my Massively Transformative Habits as well as a standalone course in the Vitruvian Lab. And if you haven't ever checked out the the Vitruvian Lab, please consider doing that. Go to jasonrightnow.com forward slash courses. You can download a free, uh, the, the, the Vitruvian Lab for free. It costs you nothing. And, um, and then you can also have it as an app. You can go to the Apple App Store or Google Play and download it. And you can just look through the different courses that I have in there. And one of them is a habits quick course that kind of just kind of walks you through the process of creating and breaking habits. And so here is how I did it. And and and, the, and, and the, it's not just anecdotal because what I did is I used uh, science-backed techniques to actually break my habit of drinking. And the first thing I did was, and it's going to sound very trite and very obvious, but I made the decision. I made the declaration that I no longer drink. Now, let me tell you what it used to be like. Um, I remember people would ask me whenever they would offer me a drink, and I started making this decision. Uh, you know, would but if you really wanted to have a drink, would you? And I'd say, yeah. I, I would. I, there was something in me that would not allow myself to say I don't drink. I am not a drinker. That's not who I am. That's not what I do. Not that that means that if you do, you're bad. You know, I'm not one of those. No, it's not not that. It's just for me. I didn't want to say that because I thought the minute that I say, no, I don't drink, then that's all of a sudden an identity that I've assumed. And if I ever want to drink again, I will be completely shattering who I am. I will be a fraud at that point. I took it very seriously. And so... The, the first thing I did was decide that I, in fact, wanted 
my identity to be something that did not mesh with someone who drinks. This came as I was pretty far into the Jason Wright show, which is with the motto to improve always and always and trying to improve every area of my life, which was my mind, my emotions, my spiritual walk with God, my health, my relationships, all these different things. And so it just, it didn't fit with my identity. So the first thing that I would tell you to do is this. One, make the decision and have the courage to say, this thing, whatever it is for you, if it's a porn addiction, if it is a, if it is drinking, if it is smoking, if it is whatever the habit is, that you decide This will no longer be a part of my identity. But what you have to do is go a step further and you have to sit and write down who you are. What is your identity? What type of a person are you? And once you start to visualize that and meditate on who you want to be, what is, I did an episode, a quick episode, I think it might have been a, a write-on episode that I did just last week on your, your, um, your ideal self. What does your ideal self look like? And does your ideal self perform this habit that you're trying to break? And if it doesn't, then focus on how you can become that ideal self. So that's step one. Step two is you have to create an environment that makes your habit, the the breaking of the habit supportive, that it supports your efforts. And so for me, for the longest time, whenever I decided that I would no longer drink alcohol, what I would do is I would keep a little bit of alcohol on hand. Again, it was, and here's the thing that there's a, there's a, a neurological component to this. Did you know that cigarette smokers, that the, 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 whenever they get the nicotine, the nicotine addiction, when they're looking for the cigarette or whatever, it's not the actual smoking of the cigarette that calms them. It's the taking the cigarette out and putting it in their mouth. It's just knowing that the cigarette is available when they need it that calms them. The nicotine is something that just happens afterwards. But the real impact of the cigarette habit is just knowing the cigarette is there. That is what neurologically calms their mind. So knowing this, I would keep a little bit of alcohol in my house, like a a bottle of scotch or whiskey or or some vodka. And I would say, well, that's in case guests come over that if they want to drink, then I want to be able to make them a drink and um, and be be a good host, right? Well, the reality was I still wasn't ready to face the fact that if I decided that, what the heck, I'm watching Mad Men and I want to, you know, have a cocktail with Don Draper, then it's there if I need it. I'm not going to. I don't want to. But if I want to, it's there. It was kind of a calming effect. But the reality was that that could become, in fact, a reality where I sit down to watch Mad Men and Don's crushing those old fashions and I decide to make myself one and clink the TV screen and here we go. Another day at Sterling Cooper on Madison Avenue, Don and I just throwing back cocktails at about 11 o'clock in the morning. And not that I, I didn't drink old fashions at 11 o'clock in the morning. Draper did that. But, you know, so I would be at night watching Don Draper drink in the middle of the day. So just to be clear, I wasn't that bad off. And so, but I finally decided, no, that's, that's BS. 
that's that's not what you're doing. You're, you're you're keeping this as a pacifier. And if you really want to support this this uh, habit breaking exercise, you got to create an environment that is sterile of all, uh, all all of any artifact of the bad habit. So I got it all out, gone, done, and and so that's what I would encourage you to do. Whatever your bad habit is, create an environment for yourself that doesn't have any reminders of the bad habit because a lot of these habits that you have they're contextual you know that's it's like remember when you're in college and you go out and all the people that all of a sudden after they'd had a few drinks at the bar they became smokers remember that well the reason why is because there was a context to it they're in a bar they're a little bit buzzed music's playing and they're and in that context a cigarette comes out and that's why you that you wouldn't see them smoking at any other time. Like in college, you wouldn't see them smoking on campus, especially girls. You would never see girls, you know, rolling through campus with a ciggy. But you roll up at the bar at night and they're drinking beers and then they've got a cigarette. It's because it's contextual. And it's so all these things, the music, the crowd, the the, the drinks and being around friends, that became a, a trigger and a cue for those folks to have a cigarette. Your home is the same way. There are triggers. There are little identifying contextual triggers in your environment that remind you and make you crave the the activity that you're trying to break off, whether it's drinking, whether it's eating too much. So you have got to be able to create an environment that supports the ideal you. So the ideal environment needs to be reflective of the ideal you. And so going back to my example of not drinking, my ideal me did not involve an environment that had alcohol in it. So all gone, all done. Now this does another thing. This this makes it to where the habit that you're trying to break is harder to act out. You've got to you've got to create some pain. Uh, B.J. Fogg's uh, behavior model is fantastic, and I've drawn it out in a couple of my courses. And um, essentially, what it does is there's a sweet spot to where you have to match motivation and either like if if it's creating a habit. You've got to have this, you've got a, a, an action line, okay? So imagine in your mind, just a, a, on a grid, a line. And if you want to start a habit, you have to move whatever it is that's going to prompt you to do that habit, whether it's to start to exercise more, to eat better, whatever it is. Your motivation has to be above the action line. And then on the, I guess it would be the y-axis, you have to have the ease of doing it below the the action line so if you can or, or yeah so you so what you want to do is match ease of performing the task with motivation so if you're highly motivated and it's really easy to do then there's a good shot you're going to start that habit by the same token if you're trying to break a habit then you have to have real high motivation and you've got to find ways to make it harder to do Now, that's the cool thing. We can actually control a lot of these habits by making them difficult to perform. For example, how many of you get in bed and the first thing you do is you start scrolling on your phone? Now, you've listened to Matthew Walker's podcast or him on different podcasts talking about uh, proper sleep and all these different things. And you just know me. My gosh, finally, uh, sleep has become one of the, the biggest topics of longevity and health and wellness. And one of the things that is always mentioned is screen time and how 
screens, phone, even your television, definitely your laptop, needs to be out of your bedroom. It does not go with good sleep. Yet, how many of you, when you lie down, the first thing you do is you grab that phone and you start scrolling? Well, that's because you're looking for a quick dopamine hit. Okay, and I've done... I've, I've talked about dopamine ad nauseum, and that, but it, it, you have to understand it when it comes to habit formation. And so what can you do to make it to where you're not going to look at that phone? Well, it's very simple. Don't bring the phone into the bedroom. Go plug it in your bathroom. Go plug it in into your, uh, in your kitchen. Do something. So that when so that when the phone is removed from the environment, it removes the urge. The trigger's not there. You don't look at it. You don't know that it's right there because what you've done is just by taking away that ease. Because here's the thing. As a bad habit, if the phone is sitting there, you're motivated to get on and start scrolling, right? Whether it's to go do some crush some late night online shopping or just check uh, Instagram, your motivation is going to be high because it's a habit and you like it and you get a dopamine hit from it. So the motivation is going to be high. And if the ease of access to that phone is right there, if it's really easy to do it, then guess what? You're going to do it. The habit's going to live. But if the motivation is high, you're still going to be motivated to scroll, but you reach over there and the phone's not there. The likelihood of you getting up and getting out of bed and walking into the kitchen and getting your phone to scroll is much less just that little bit of friction that you've created has started you on the path of breaking the habit. And so you've created this environment in your bedroom now that supports the ideal you, it's the ideal environment, and it's going to help you break the habit. Make these habits, whatever they are, hard to perform. Make good ones easy. You just kind of to, to blend the two of a lot of people who want to start eating better. One of the things that you first have to do, and this one, this is, I mean, look, Julian Michaels, all of them, I'm sure have done this, where you go into the kitchen and the first thing you do is you clean out the fridge, you clean out the pantry, get all the bad crap out. Because look, if the bad crap is there, you're going to be highly motivated to eat it because it tastes good. It has all, it's, it, you know, food. There, there are, there are scientists that literally make millions figuring out how to make food, not only taste good, but feel good. The crunch, the sensation in your mouth, all of it, so that you will become addicted to it. MSG that's in those Doritos and all this other crap is so that you will eat an entire bag instead of just eating three. Trust me, these food engineers know what they're doing. They know how to tap into our brains and make us just want more and more and more, no matter how much we've eaten. They literally have they have constructed foods that make us want to eat more even after we're full, after we're satiated, after we've had plenty. It's crazy. So what do you got to do? Well, if your motivation is high to eat it, and as long as it's there, it's easy, you're going to go grab the chips. So remove the bad stuff and not only uh, put good stuff in the house, but make it very visible. You know, uh, just putting out a bowl of fruit where you can see it will cause you to be more likely to eat that than the bad stuff. So if you're if you're somebody that's really struggling with snacking and eating the things that you that you don't want to, well then first of all, again, backing up, decide right now. I want to adopt an identity of someone who is disciplined, eats well, cares about their health, cares about their family, wants to be here for the long haul, wants to be active in my old age. That's what I'm making. I'm making that proclamation right now. 
Then start to create an environment in your household that supports that identity. The two match. And then when it is part of that identity, set yourself up for success. You're going to be motivated to snack. That's never going to go away. That, that just It's just going to happen. So make it easy to snack on something good by putting things out there that, and, and, let your, and make it visible. Those visible cues are huge. They're very huge. So if you want to break the habit of eating poorly, then make sure that you have an alternative that matches with your identity. This is one of the most powerful things that we can do whenever we're trying to break and create good, break bad habits, create good habits. And so I just want to know, I want you to know this, that no matter how difficult uh, it may seem to break whatever habit you're struggling with right now, and I know that all of us know we have the bad habits, I want you to know, one, be encouraged they can be overcome. Two, if you if you just decide to try to quit cold turkey or rely on uh, willpower, you will fail. I want to talk about that for just a minute. So willpower is a is a starter. You have to you know it, it can kind of get you through that very first phase. It's kind of like kind of like that first step. But willpower is not sustainable. Because willpower is only used when there's a battle. If it's easy, if there's no resistance, then we don't incorporate willpower, correct? So if 30 days into breaking a habit, you're still relying on that willpower, well, guess what's going to happen? You're going to become battle-torn and weary. You just can't sustain it forever. So you have to, you have to realign your neurological sensors, you have to figure out how to manipulate your neurochemicals, in particular dopamine, and, and figuring out how to no longer rely on willpower because willpower simply is not sustainable. We will always resort back to what we know and what we like. That's how our ancestral brain works. And it's, a, it's another reason why we will we're more likely to break a bad habit by making it more difficult to perform is because our brain is built for one thing survival that's it that's all the brain really cares about at the end of the day it's it, it, it exists to figure out how to survive and how to help us survive so it always takes the path of least resistance because the path of least resistance leads to less energy expenditure. That's what our brain is always going to want to do. So you have to figure out ways when you're going through this process of breaking habits to make it easy. You have to make it easy and you can. But the thing that I want to, if there's anything that I want you to take away from this, because look, you're not going to listen to one quick little episode of a ride on Wednesday and figure out how to quit smoking, how to stop, uh, how to stop, you know, crushing porn every night, how to stop staying up too late, whatever your habit is, drinking, like I mentioned, like was one of my habits I wanted to break. You're not going to do that in the course of this podcast. And yes, I've got the courses you can go out and hopefully that can help you. But more than anything, here's what I want you to do. Here's what you've got to, to do. And this is, I'm telling you, this, this is what it was for me. You've got to determine the identity that you want to have for yourself. You've got to look again at that ideal self I talked about last week. And once you know what that ideal self is, then you can start building toward that person you want to be that those habits just don't mesh with. 
it will all of a sudden seem weird. I, I did a post here recently. It was actually a clip, I think, from one of my courses where I, I'm talking, I'm about to start a class, and I throw a cigarette in my mouth, and I don't mention it, you know, and I'm, but I'm just, I'm talking, and I'm, it looks like I'm about to fire up a cigarette. And anyone watching that thought, well, this is just bizarre. I mean, Jason's a healthy dude, and he's, he teaches courses on how to improve always and always, and he's smoking a cigarette. It, it just it didn't match my identity. That's where you need to get. And but make it real. You know, don't be someone who that's a topic for another day, you know, that's crushing cigarettes in the background, but but selling yourself as something else. No, you have to that's why that that creating that ideal self for you is so important. Don't don't write, okay, what would people, what would the ideal me look like to other people, screw that. Write down and truly meditate on what you in your most most authentic version of yourself, what that ideal self is. What habits mesh with that person, that version of you, and which ones just do not match. They just don't go. And so therefore, all of a sudden, it becomes so weird. It's it, it would it would be like seeing Jocko Willink drunk or David Goggins just plowing through a Golden Corral buffet, and you'd be like, "Wait, that doesn't match. That identity doesn't match that habit." And and that's what happens. That's why I think this all starts with the your identity and who you are, and then whoever that ideal self is that you've determined is is perfect for you, for your family, the version of you that you want to pursue then at least at a minimum, when the bad habit comes in, you're going to start to question why, how. This isn't, this isn't who I am. This isn't, this isn't what I am. It, so it goes deeper at that point than just willpower. I don't want to do this because this is bad for me. No, you don't want to do that thing, that habit, because it's not who you are are, or at a minimum, it's not who you are aspiring to be. So as you go through this process, reach out. If I can support you, if I can help you, again, I do have courses that can help walk you through this. They're all scientifically based. I have studied this stuff ad nauseum. There's a reason why I I love doing, and look, I don't have it all figured out. I, I'm sure Mrs. Wright could tell you several bad habits that I have. But I would, I can tell you that uh, a lot of them that I once had, I no longer have because that's, that doesn't match up with this Vitruvian, you know, this perfectly proportioned, improving always and always identity that I've created for myself, not for some pompous, vain reason, but just because, like I talk to you guys about all the time. We've got one go around. I want to go through this life just with just lucid. Um, uh, a, a lucid mind, and, and I want to sense and feel, and I want to feel good everywhere I go. I want to, whenever I'm 90, I want to be playing with my great grandkids. I want to show them how to do pull ups and crazy stuff. You know, I don't, I want to be able to outrun my grandkids for years and years and years. I want to, I want them to know that uh, their granddad's like, good Lord, I can't keep up with the guy. I just think life will be more fun that way. So, that's what it's about. It's not just some vain nonsense for Instagram and, and all that. It's it's because that's the identity. That's who I want to be because I think if I can be that ideal me, then life will just be better. 
That's it. Life will be better. And that's my hope for each and every one of you listening to this today. So I do thank you for listening. Please consider checking out the Vitruvian Lab. Again, you can sign up for free, check out the courses. I'd love to have you in the inner circle. That is where you have access to the entire library, all the courses that I've developed today and all the ones that I'll develop into the future. You will have access to them for $29.99 a month. I mean, it's like a, it's literally like having a gym membership for your brain. And in fact, I am going to have workout courses in there geared toward longevity and, and building strength and the things that I haven't, I have deployed to that have kept me at the age of 48 in the same shape that I was in or better than whenever I was 38. And so I want to share that with you. I want to, I want you to come along for the ride and, you know, as a member of the inner circle, you can do that. And the cool thing is you can try it free for 14 days. If you don't like it, cancel it, you know, and just take the classes one by one as, as they, they pique your interest. So with that, I hope you do endeavor to improve always in always. I appreciate you listening. Thank you for supporting the show. I'm Jason, and I'm out. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the show. It means more to me than you can possibly imagine. And if you enjoyed it, please consider going out to Apple and leaving us a five-star rating. That would mean the world to me. Also, follow me on Insta at Jason right now. And don't forget download the Vitruvian Lab app. I mean it. I want to be your personal peak performance trainer. I want to help you improve always and always. Lastly, check out my newsletter, the Vitruvian Letter. You can subscribe at jasonrightnow.com. And until we meet again, please continue to endeavor to improve always in always. I'm out.